living and speaking God, as we turn our attention to the Bible just now, to your written word, will you speak to us each a word in season, a word that we need to hear today? Oh Lord God, we long to hear your voice, so please speak to us, we pray, in Jesus' name, amen. A couple of months ago, I passed my trailer towing test. And I have to say, I was rather proud of passing that test. But what this picture does not tell me is that the first time around, I failed. I failed so miserably that I actually failed within the first 10 minutes. I got into the car. The first exercise was to reverse the trailer from one end of the yard into a garage at the other end of the yard. And I got what they call in the business Elvis leg. My legs started shaking. I became so, so nervous. And I just couldn't do it. I completely and utterly messed it up. It was an absolute, complete failure. And it was a horrible feeling, this failure. I felt embarrassed because I had to go back to my driving instructor, having only been away from him for 10 minutes, and say, yeah, I messed it up. I felt like I'd let Emma down because the driving test cost quite a lot of money to do and I had managed to put it up in smoke in 10 minutes flat. I felt like I had let myself because I could do it. I did it in the practice tests. I did it in the yard. I did it in the lessons and yet I had let myself down. This failure, it felt absolutely horrible. None of us ever set out to fail, do we? No one enjoys failing, do we? And yet failure, it's just a regular part of life, isn't it? Failure is something that happens to us day in and day out. Now, the really good thing about my driving test is that I had a chance to get it right again. I had a second go at it. I had another chance to get it right. We all know too well, don't we, that, that sometimes failure doesn't work like that. Sometimes when we fail, there is no opportunity to make things right. Sometimes whenever we fail, there is no second chance. We've all had failures like that, haven't we? Sometimes we fail others. We feel them and there's no way of feeling when we feel them. We let words come out of our mouths so quickly that cause hurt and pain and we can't put them back in again. We say words to people that belittle them or mock them or, or tell them down and we cause them injury which we cannot bear. Maybe we use our words to threaten or to abuse, or to lie. And again, once those sort of words are uttered, done damage, which cannot be fixed. They leave emotional scars that will never fully heal. I wonder this morning, as you sit here, can you think of the people in your life who you have failed? The people in your life who you would love to start over again with? the people in your life who you have hurt with your words or your actions, but it's too late 
to fix things now. I wonder, can you think of people who you feel? I can. And it's not just people that we feel, but sometimes it's, it's God himself who we feel. God, he loves us and he, he asks us to come to him and enjoy life with him. And we feel him by running away and by rejecting him. God, he, he shows us in his word how he wants us to live and he, he makes it clear that this is the best way to live, the right way to live. And yet we say, no, God, we want to live our way and not your way. At times we feel God. And when we feel him, there's, there's no chance to go back and redo things. We have offended him. We have failed him. We have re- And sometimes it's not so much God or other people who we feel, but sometimes we simply feel ourselves. We're not the type of son or the type of daughter that we hope to be. We're not the type of father or mother or grandfather or grandmother that we hope to be. We had such high expectations for ourselves, and yet we failed ourselves and let ourselves down. Or maybe we got involved in things that let us down. Maybe there were things that we knew were dangerous to get involved in. Groups that we knew were going to be cause us problems if we got involved in, but we got involved anyway. And we things we regret we can never take back. This morning, we are all people who have failed. We don't set out to fail. We certainly don't enjoy failing, and yet failure is just a regular part of life. And failure, it's, it's horrible, isn't it? Because failure, it, it lives with us. It lives with us. It's like being put in a prison with, with a cellmate who's always there, never leaves us alone. Failure lives with us. For some of us, it, it causes us great shame and great guilt. We carry our failure around and we carry the guilt and the shame that goes with it and we cannot get it off our back. For some of us, it's not so much guilt and shame, but it's regret. We look back on our life. We think of some of the things that we have said and done and every day regret haunts us. It follows us around like a bad smell. Many of us have failed, and many of us live with guilt and with shame and with regret. Now, I want to say something. I realize that this is the not. Mo- <laughs> I realize this is not the most uplifting thing to be talking about just now. I mean, I, I get that. I mean, none of us. We we don't really want to think of our failures, do we? We want to bury them. We want to forget them. We want to kind of ignore them. We want to blame other people for them. (laughs) We don't want to admit them. We don't want to think about them. But yet the reality is that we are all people who have failed. And we're all people who live with guilt and regret. But this morning, if that's you, I know it is certainly me. And this morning, if that's you, I have some brilliantly fantastic, wonderful news. 
I have some outstanding news this morning. I have some of the best news you've ever heard if you live your life with guilt and shame and regret. I have some brilliant, fantastic, wonderful news. Have I got it across how great the news is? And here's the news. The news is that if we can come to a point of recognizing our failures, then we can come to a point of enjoying, and I mean really enjoying, God through them. Yes. If we can come to a point of recognizing and admitting our failures, we can come to a place of really, really enjoying God through them. And very specifically, we can come to enjoy the forgiveness and the favor of the Son. This morning, if we can confess and admit to our failures, if we can say, yes, we failed and we live with guilt and shame and regret, then the good news is this morning that we can come to enjoy the forgiveness and favor of Jesus Christ. Some of you here this morning, I know that what you enjoy is going out for a meal. You like the reality of that, the reality of eating and drinking and enjoying food. For some of you, it's exercise that you enjoy. You enjoy the reality of running and and sweating and, and getting those endorphins going. For some of you, you enjoy watching movies and you love the reality of that, sitting and and engaging in this wonderful story. Well, what I want to say this morning, the good news is that whenever we feel there is some real enjoyment to be had from Jesus Christ. I'm not talking about positive thinking. I'm talking about real, tangible, heartfelt, spiritual enjoyment. There is real enjoyment to be had from Jesus this morning if you are a failure like me. And in Hebrews chapter 4, which is the passage I I hope you've kept open, in Hebrews chapter 4, we see four reasons why we can really enjoy forgiveness and favor of Jesus when we fail. And the first reason we can enjoy it is because Jesus is alive. This morning, whenever you think of Jesus, I want you to do a mental exercise for me just now. This morning, whenever you think of Jesus, where do you think of him as being? I know that sounds a strange question, but whenever you think of him, picture Jesus in your mind just now. Where is he when you picture him? For some of you, my guess is that he's on the cross. You picture him on the cross. You you picture him dying there. Maybe you picture him alive and suffering and bleeding, or, or maybe you picture him dead with his head hung low. This morning, maybe that's where you picture Jesus when you picture him. For some of you, you you go a step beyond that and you think of him in the tomb. You think of him buried in that big tomb with the big stone rolled over the entrance. You think of him dead and buried in the tomb. For some of you, maybe you don't think of him on the cross or the tomb. Maybe you think of Jesus more like a fictional character in a book. For you, when you think of Jesus, you think of him as just being a character found in the Bible. He might be real, he might not be real, but but this book is written about him and he kind of just lives in the pages of the book. Well, this morning, the reality is that Jesus is not in any of those places. 
This morning, the reality is that Jesus is actually somewhere. And he is actually alive as we sit here in Presbyterian Church on the 19th of September, 2021. Jesus is alive. And Jesus is in a particular place. And we see this in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. Look with me at the text. It says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. Do you see where it says that Jesus has gone? It says that he has gone through the heavens. Another translation of the Bible says that he has ascended to heaven. You see, what the Bible teaches is that after Jesus was in the tomb, it teaches that he rose again. And it teaches that he never died, but he went alive into heaven to sit down at the right hand of God the Father. Jesus this morning is alive. He's not a character in a book. He's not someone hanging on a cross years ago. He's not someone who was buried and left in the tomb. No, Jesus right now is alive. And do you know what alive people can do? They can do things. Alive people can do things. Alive people can take action. And this morning we are able to receive forgiveness and favor from Jesus when we feel because he's alive and he's able to give it to us. The second reason why we can enjoy the forgiveness and, and fear of Jesus whenever we feel is because Jesus has taken the punishment our failure deserves. In the Bible, Jesus, he's, he's described in all sorts of ways. He's given all sorts of titles to help us understand who he is and what he can do. And here in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14, do you see what he's called? He's called a great high priest. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we possess. Jesus is called a great high priest. Now, my guess is that most of you right now are going, Marty, what on earth is a great high priest? That's why we read from that strange book, Leviticus, earlier. Because in the book of Leviticus, we see what a high priest does. And what a high priest did in the Old Testament was a high priest made sacrifices. He sacrificed animals. He shed their blood to atone for people's sin. The priest made sacrifices to atone for the people's sin. So that people's sin could be covered, so that God wouldn't punish the people's sin he made sacrifices and the punishment symbolically fell on the animal. And this, my friends, this is what Jesus, the great high priest, has done for you and he's done for me. On the cross, when he shed his blood, on the cross when he was the sacrifice, he took the punishment that your failure deserves. He took the punishment that my failure deserves just one sacrifice his sacrifice was enough to atone for your sin and for mine and again we see that in hebrews chapter 10 which i read it takes us 
Leviticus, and it says, day after day, the priest stands and performs his religious duties again, which can never by sins. That's what the high priest did, offered all these sacrifices, never really take away sins. But then it says that Jesus, this great high priest, offered once and for all time the sacrifice for our sin. It says, by one sacrifice, he is made perfect forever, those who are being made holy. Folks, one of the reasons why we can enjoy the favor of Jesus and the forgiveness of Jesus when we fail is because he has taken the punishment that our sin deserves. Now, I don't know if you've recognized just how radical and strange this is. You see, whenever we fail here on earth, whenever we fail here on earth, failure is met by punishment. If you fail on the road, and I don't mean your driving test, I mean once you've got it, if you fail on the road, if you fail to keep the speed limit, if you drink and drive and fail to keep that law, if you're negligent on the road and you crash, if you fail on the road, there is punishment. There are points, there is a fine, there may be a prison sentence. It's the same in that place. If you fail in the workplace, there is punishment. There is discipline. There is a, a docking of your salary. There might even be a sacking. Failure leads to punishment. But because Jesus has taken the punishment for our sin, because he's taken the punishment for our failure, we can now be met with forgiveness and we can now be met with his favor. And then we move on and we see a third reason why we can enjoy, I mean really enjoy forgiveness and favor when we feel. Has sympathy for us when we feel. I wonder, do you know any people who are not very understanding? Can you, can you think of someone? Have you got a name? You know the type of people, whenever you compare them to a brick, the brick is more sympathetic. Do you know those sort of people? Do you have anyone in your life just not very sympathetic. They're, they're just not very understanding. Sometimes whenever we think of Jesus, I think we can think of him like that. Because he was perfect. He never failed. He never sinned. He was the only one who was ever completely perfect. Sometimes I wonder when you think of Jesus, do you think of him looking at you with a kind of judgmental stare? Do you think of him looking at you thinking, oh, I can't believe you've done that again. Folks, if that's how you think of Jesus this morning, that is a wrong thought to have. Because what we see in Hebrews chapter 4 is that Jesus doesn't judge us when we fail. No, he has sympathy for us when we fail. Look at verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but we as one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Jesus never sinned. But if you look there, he was tempted to. He was tempted to sin. He never actually did it. But he knows what it's like to be tempted to sin. He understands. Jesus understands why you fail. 
Jesus understands why I fail. He understands how we ended up doing that thing we didn't think we'd ever do. He understands how we said that horrible thing that we wish we could take back. He understands how we've got ourselves into this mess that we're in. Jesus understands. This morning, do you know that? Whatever mess you've made, whatever your failures, whatever you've done that's causing you to carry around your guilt and your shame and your regret, the Lord Jesus, he understands what brought you there. He understands how you ended up there. And he doesn't tell you to go away. Now what he does is he does something even more wonderful. He invites you to come to him. To come to him and to receive his forgiveness. And to receive his love and to receive his favor. You see the fourth reason why we can enjoy the forgiveness and favor of Jesus when we feel is because of this. It's because Jesus, he loves to forgive us. He loves to forgive us when we fail. And he loves to show us favor when we come to him for help. I want you to imagine this morning that there is a doctor. And this doctor, he has traveled deep into a jungle to provide medical care for a tribe who are afflicted with a contagious disease. They are in their most remote place in the Amazon jungle and the doctor goes there to help them. He has his medical equipment flown in. He's correctly diagnosed the problem. The antibiotics are prepared and available. He, he's so wealthy of himself, it's cost him really no, nothing to go there. He's just there because he, he longs to help. He's made this trip because he wants to help people get better. But as he seeks to provide care, do you know what happens? The people will not let them treat them. They want to take care of themselves. They want to be healed on their own terms. No thank you, they say. We do not want what you have to offer. In that moment, how does the doctor feel? He's disappointed, isn't he? He's, he's maybe even devastated. He went there so these people could be healed and they won't come to him and he's devastated. But then finally, a few brave tribesmen come up to him and they let the doctor treat him. At this moment, he, he gives them the treatment and at this moment, they begin to get better. And how does he feel then? How does he feel being allowed to treat these tribesmen? He feels joy. Utter joy, utter delight. Because that's what he went there to do. Folks, this is the whole reason that Jesus came. This is the whole reason he came. He came so that we could be forgiven. He came so that we could come to him with our flaws and with our feelings. He came so that we could give those to him and receive forgiveness and healing and favor.
There's a wonderful book which has been recently published and I'd recommend it to absolutely everyone. It's a book called Gentle and Lowly. It's by a man called Dean Ortland, and he writes this. So with us and so with Christ. He does not get flustered and frustrated when we come to him for fresh forgiveness, for renewed pardon. That's the whole point. It's what he came to heal. Folks, this morning, we can enjoy the forgiveness and the favor of Jesus when we fail because he loves, and I mean, ever we're in need. None of us set out to fail. None of us enjoy failing. Failure is inevitable. And failure feels horrible. But this morning, here's what the Lord Jesus says. He says, come to me. Come to me with your failure. Come to me with your sin. Give me your guilt. Give me your shame. Give me your wrath. Give me your death. And I'll give you my love. And I'll give you my peace. And I'll give you my joy. And I'll give you my forgiveness. And I'll give you my righteousness. And I'll give you my peace. That deal is on the table today for everyone who's here. If you're a believer, that deal is here for you. If you're not a Christian yet, that deal is here for you. And I want to encourage you this morning to come to Christ and to receive the forgiveness and the favor he offers. And I really want to encourage you this morning because you see when you do, when you do this, when, when you come to Jesus and when you receive the reality of forgiveness, do you know what happens? You are filled with joy. You see, whenever failure is met with forgiveness and favor, it leads to joy. Let me try and explain how this works. A number of months ago, I wanted to pay for something and I wanted to, to pay for it by credit. It was some fees and I thought it's better to spread these out over a number of months. So I went to set up some credit and it was rejected. And I got the letter to say why it was rejected and it said that my credit report, my, my credit history was not good. And I couldn't understand this. I, I just couldn't get my head around it. What is wrong with my credit history? As far as I knew, I'd paid every bill. As far as I knew, everything was good. So uh, I went on to Experian. Amazing. Went on to Experian. And I went through everything and I saw that there was one big problem, one major problem on my credit report. There was a default. There was a default payment. Whenever I changed my broadband provider, failed to pay Virgin Media the last bill. I thought I'd paid them. I thought I was up to date, but I hadn't. And now there was a default on my credit report. And this was actually pretty devastating to me because we're due to remortgage in January and, and we need a new mortgage then. And with this on my record, it was going to cause us all sorts of problems. I'd failed to pay the bill and I felt horrible to have failed. The consequences were not good. And so what did I do? Well, I did two things. The first thing I did was I beat myself up. You know, I'm so stupid. Oh, Emma, I'm so sorry. I can't believe I've done that. I'm an idiot. I called myself all sorts of names. Amazing names you can call yourself when you've done something really silly, isn't it? 
I beat myself up. And then the second thing it is, do you know what I'm going to do? I'm I'm actually going to fix this. I'm going to fix it. So I rang Virgin Media and I said, hello, here's the situation. I'm really sorry. I forgot to pay the bill. Can I pay it now? Yes, you can. Brilliant. Paid the bill. 35 pounds paid off. All good, I thought. And I said, so what happens now? Does, Does the default just come off my account? We're really sorry, sir, but it doesn't work like that. I'm afraid that the default will be staying on for at least the next six years. I'm really, really sorry. Is there nothing you can do, I said? No, I'm sorry. There's nothing we can do. So I hung up the phone and I beat myself up some more. And I felt even worse about the whole situation. And then I remembered something. I remembered what I believe about Jesus. I remembered that I believe that that he forgave me out of sheer grace, out of undeserved kindness. I remembered what I believed as a Christian, that I was forgiven, not because of what I did, but because of what Christ had done. And so I did something, but, you know, a little bit unorthodox. I emailed the CEO of Virgin Media found his email address on the internet and sent him an email. And the title of the email started like this, Sent in the Hope of Undeserved Kindness. And I wrote the email and I admitted my failure, told him how I forgot to pay the bill even though I thought I'd paid it, didn't make excuses, just laid it out, I had failed. I told him that I knew that I couldn't fix it. I told him that I knew that I deserved the default on my account. But I finished like this. I said, but I'm hoping that you might be willing to remove the default on my behalf as an act of undeserved kindness. I sent the email and I didn't really expect anything to be done. But the next day I got a phone call and it was one of the executive assistants at Virgin Media And she spoke to me on the phone. And do you know what she did? She sympathized with me. She listened to my story. She understood how I'd failed. And she said, we're going to do something about it. Your default will be gone within three days. The next day, I went on to Experian. And it was gone. My record was perfect. And it was all completely and utterly undeserved. And Emma will tell you, that day there was joy, real joy, real delight, real excitement. I could not believe that they'd shown me this grace. I was so amazed at Virgin Media, so thrilled by what they'd done, so overwhelmed, in fact, by the kindness they showed me. And that is nothing, nothing, compared to what happens when we receive the amazing forgiveness that Jesus won for us on the cross. My friends, we don't like to think about our failure, but trust me on this. When you bring it to Jesus, when you give it to him, and when you receive his unmerited, undeserved forgiveness, there will be a joy in your heart 
that will bubble up and will never, ever die. Oh, friend, come to Christ this morning and know the joy. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, you know that none of us like to fail. In fact, we hate it. It's, it's horrible. We hate the guilt and the shame that comes with it. We hate the regret that lives with us. But this morning, we want to thank you so much that whenever we come to Jesus, that whenever we hand him our failure, when we hand him our sin, he graciously and undeservedly gives us his forgiveness and his favor. Father, I pray that none of us will be deluded enough to think that we don't need the forgiveness of Christ this morning. I pray, Lord, that none of us would be so proud that we won't turn to him for his help this morning. Father, I pray that none of us will be so enthralled with self-pity that we'll beat ourselves up rather than going to the one who loves to forgive us. Oh, Lord, I pray this morning that each of us would come to Christ and know the sheer joy of his forgiveness. Lord, thank you for your word to us this morning. Help us to embrace it in reality and help us to know the reality of the forgiveness and joy that Christ offers us today. In his name we pray, amen.